Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is our virtual class for A Course in Miracles with my special guest co-host, Robert Thaw, MD, who joins me on the second Thursday of the month at 1 p.m. Eastern to help break down and interpret the concepts presented in the course. Today, we'll continue our ongoing series on relationships with a focus on special relationships as it is explained in the course with interpretation of Chapter 16, Section 5, and we'll pick up with the paragraphs with paragraph 13 and finish through the end and possibly go on. If you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's board of directors since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years before retiring to take on this position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of Bill Setford. Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, published by Hay House. The book interprets the biblical story of Exodus and demonstrates the ego's perceptions of life's conditions. I recommend you read this book prior to or while studying A Course in Miracles to effortlessly deepen your understanding of the abstract concepts presented in the course. To connect, visit FromPlaguesToMiracles.com. There you can read excerpts of the book as well as purchase the book. You can also visit ACIM.org to learn more about and purchase A Course in Miracles if you'd like to study with us. There are also other valuable resources there. To review the archives of these segments and others with Dr. Bob, visit spiritualinsightsradio.com. Your questions and comments are always welcome. You can follow the show on Twitter at Char Spicer and on Facebook at From Plagues to Miracles. You can also tune into the show directly from my Facebook page, Spiritual, Spiritual Insights Radio, and feel free to join my closed discussion group. We look forward to interacting with you in the Spiritual Insights Forum. So we do these segments to be of service and to help the community gain an understanding of themselves and their life experiences. So do help me join, oh, do join me in welcoming Dr. Bob back to the show. Hello, Dr. Bob. Yeah, hi, Shar. Good to be back. Good to be continuing mm-hmm. our uh, our ongoing readings here from Chapter 16 of the text. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm keeping my energy very steady so my mic doesn't cut out. How am I doing so far? Um, it has cut in and out a little bit more in kind of a garbly way rather than, oh, you're gone. Uh, so, you know, we'll just have to maybe keep that monitored. Uh. Okay. 
yeah, we'll do that, and I can always fix things. That'll be okay. Okay. Very All righty. So any announcements to make before we begin? Um, for anyone listening live, the Miracle Distribution Center annual conference is this coming weekend, basically the day after tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday, um, the uh, 19th and 20th. I'll be speaking there on Sunday morning Pacific time. It is being streamed live, so you don't have to scramble and buy a plane ticket and get out to Orange County, California. Um, if you're interested, go to um, www.miraclecenter.org for information. And I know, I don't remember the exact cost, but I know the streaming is much, much cheaper than um, signing up for the event itself in person. Um, as I said, I'll be speaking Sunday morning. John Mundy will be speaking. Um, Jerry Jampolsky and Diane will be speaking. Uh, it should be a pretty good event. Uh, and uh, I plan to tell um, my quote-unquote life story about how the course pulled me in and got me to this place because it sure wasn't me that did it. Um, and oh. then some lessons extracted from that. So, yeah, uh, if if you have uh, the chance, join us, please. Mm-hmm. And if you're already going, have a good time. Oh, maybe I'll make it there <laughs> yes, next indeed. year. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay. So we had left off with, we were uh, going through Chapter 16, Section 5, and that is the forgiveness of illusions, and 5 is the choice for completion. We left off at Paragraph 12. And we're going to finish up this section. This is a very powerful section. And I've really enjoyed going through um, Very inspiring. Yeah. Now, it is interesting. You know, I've read this many a time. Yet going through it with a fine tooth comb the way we're doing, you know, really taking it paragraph by paragraph and in some instances even line by line, it – like so much in A Course in Miracles, it just pops, you know, it, it, it sort of leaps into three dimensions and you recognize the entire teaching of the course in, in, in the one section. But it's particularly powerful because it focuses on what the course calls the special relationship, and which is, in fact, what most of us think of as, quote unquote, true love course would say no what you think of as true love isn't true love at all au contraire it blocks true love which can only be of god and which is our our actual true nature so um for those who are just joining us you might actually want to go back and uh, listen to some of the previous segments of the last couple months where we began chapter 16 uh, and i think you know you'll be enriched for doing that but the special relationship and its transformation into the holy relationship is one of the main um, sort of sub-themes of A Course in Miracles. Uh-huh. I was actually thinking maybe we should reread chap- uh, paragraph 12. I know, I think we read that last time, but it's just, you know, it, it sort of cues the whole thing mm-hmm. uh, rather than just, jumping right in at paragraph 13. I don't know. What do you think? That's exactly what I was thinking was let's go through paragraph 12, touch on that, and then we can continue. So you're reading my mind. We're in perfect agreement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mind mm-hmm. is one. All right. Do you want to start? Sure, I will. 
So this is paragraph 12 from chapter 16 of the text, page 343 in the combined third edition. Whenever any form of special relationship tempts you to seek for love in ritual, remember love is content and not form of any kind. The special relationship is a ritual of form aimed at raising the form to take the place of God at the expense of content. There is no meaning in the form and there will never be. The special relationship must be recognized for what it is, a senseless ritual in which strength is extracted from the death of God and invested in his killer as the sign that form has triumphed over content and love has lost its meaning. Would you want this to be possible, even apart from its evident impossibility? If it were possible, you would have made yourself helpless. God is not angry. He merely could not let this happen. You cannot change his mind. No rituals that you have set up in which the dance of death delights you can bring death to the eternal. Nor can your chosen substitutes nor can your chosen substitute for the wholeness of God have any influence at all upon it. Okay. Um, mm, mm, mm. When I reread that this morning, and of course, and every time you read a section, it's it's a different day, a different time, a different you, basically, and it just yes. went so much deeper this morning. Mm-mm. Yes. It, it picks up so many themes from the course and kind of weaves them all together. Um, so, it, and, and it kind of, you know, we're getting to the end of this section. So, you know, the section has already looked at the special relationship as this, you know, what it's calling here a ritual of form, a ritual of form, meaning that we're looking for specialness in someone else to compensate for the lack of specialness we feel in ourselves. And by kind of binding them in a relationship, ooh, I love you and you love me, uh, making ourselves feel okay, making ourselves feel special. And what it's really saying is that this ritual of form, um, that is to say the form of love, this idea that, that she has what I've always wanted and he offers me what I lack, um, that this ritual, so to speak, actually gets in the way it blocks us from recognizing who we really are you know uh, as 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 often happens in studying the course there are these beautiful synchronicities and for those who are going through the workbook um, starting with lesson one on january 1st the lesson for today um, 229 is love which created me is what i am and it talks about love is my identity. Uh, maybe we'll read it later on. It's very short. But the idea is if you think that by falling in love with someone else and getting into a special relationship with them, that that's going to make everything okay, what you're actually doing is, is, is worshiping an idol and blocking yourself from the experience of true love which can only come from God because God is nothing but love and you as part of what the course calls the sonship, part of the son of God, actually the entirety of the son of God as well. You, it's your birthright. You know, um, love is, love is there. If you go seeking for it outside, you're looking in the wrong place. Uh, 
So what this section is saying is we want content, not form. You know, we want the real thing. What's that expression? We want the steak, but not the sizzle, um, with my pardon to the vegetarians in our listener audience. Um, <laughs> there is no meaning in form, and there never and there will never be. So we have to recognize that the special relationship, like everything else in the ego's world of illusion, is just a distraction and a diversion from our true path. You know, it's, I mean, remember, the ego's mantra, its motto is seek and do not find. It loves to keep you searching, and each time one of its idols falls, each time a relationship turns out not to be quite what we thought it was, oh darn, then the ego goes, yeah, but, you know, next time, next time it'll be better. And we keep looking and looking, and we never stop and go inside where the real answer lies. Um, so, you know, this paragraph really echoes the um, introduction to A Course in Miracles, which sums up the whole thing in, in, in a mere three lines. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. And it's saying that you can't change your reality. You can't change God. You know, um, I love the line, God is not angry. He merely could not let this happen. You know, according to the Course, it never, really, it never did happen in reality. So God isn't up there going, oh, my son tried to rebel against me and I'm going to punish him severely. No, he merely could not let this happen. And then a line, um, the Course has a lot of puns and double entendres, and here's one of them um, in line nine. You cannot change his mind. In other words, yeah, you can't, you know, in the colloquial sense, you can't change his mind. You know, God's mind is made up. But at the deeper level, it's saying you can't change the mind of God because the mind of God is what created you. It's eternal. It's fixed. It's uh, unchanging, even though it's ever expanding and ever extending. You know, you cannot change his mind. Your little false ego mind cannot change the vast, eternal, ever-extending mind of the one creator. Um, you know, uh, there's a, in, in two chapters from here, there's a section called The Little Garden that talks about, you know, the, 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 the little tiny sunbeam can't change the sun, and the ripple can't change the, the ocean tides. And yet, that's what the ego thinks it can do. And it uses the special relationship this ritual of form to keep us from experiencing the love that is just there waiting for us, the love of, of God, which is the oneness of our creation. Uh -huh. um, okay, I think I've squeezed that for all I can get out of it. Um, oh, nah, you I could summed it up. More, but <laughs> you go ahead. <laughs> no, you summed it up, and I we had emphasized in the segment that you know, the word was words were a little strong where it says um, a senseless ritual in which strength is extracted from the death of God and invested in his killer. Okay, that's a little strong. If we take it from this sentence you just read, you cannot change his mind. So when we want to change something, it, look at it in terms of wanting to destroy it in the state that it's in currently and make it into something more, pre more preferable. In that sense, we can't change the source energy all we can do is alter the illusion and the effects of what is in us as the cause so when there's fear or doubt and we're not 
recognizing and acknowledging the love of God, which is perfect love, then how can we hope to experience that in the physical while we're in form with another person without having that understanding? This, this should be priority number one if anybody is looking to improve or get into a relationship is that if you want to ensure a more successful relationship, you want to work on this relationship with God and your understanding of him and your identity as a piece of him before you can get into a relationship that would be considered holy. Otherwise, the specialness of any relationship that you get into will reveal itself. And it will reveal itself as an illusion that will need to be corrected. And that will be very painful. So just a, a word to the wise, just to add to that. Yeah, and, and, you know, it'll be painful not because you're being punished or you did something wrong, but just because it won't work. Everything the ego does ultimately turns out to be painful because it keeps us from salvation. It keeps us from tasting, touching, recognizing in whatever um, small form we can while still here, our reality um, as, as, as part of God, as the son of God, as God's child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you for pointing out that line because it is a strong line. You know, mm-hmm. we're not really killing God, but if we think love exists anywhere that isn't God, then we believe de facto that we have killed God. You know, and in the absence of God's love, well, we better, you know, settle for whatever scrap we can find and and, and elevate that to something triumphant and wonderful. Yes, and the danger in that is that you'll cling to it for dear life. Life stems from God, and literally, and life stems from God. And when we get into these relationships and we're so in love or in, in deep into this relationship to the point of isolation, especially, that is always a an element of relationships because you want it to be the two of you. And then if that should falter or uh, be broken or, or destroyed or end, then that is where the deepest pain comes from because you have so disconnected from source. So, and we're going to talk about that and, and that's an important thing, but in the coming paragraphs, it comes up and then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about um, some of those concepts. Sounds good. Okay. You want to take 13? Yeah, I'll do 13. Here we go. Okay. See, in the special relationship, nothing more than a meaningless attempt to raise other gods before him and by worshiping them to obscure their tininess and his greatness. In the name of your completion, you do not want to do this. Oh, no. In the name of your completion, you do not want this. For every idol that you raise to place before him stands before you in place of what you are. While it's simply stated, I get a lot out of it. And here's what I get. It's that, number one, we all, what we all seek is perfect love. We just don't seek it as God's love. We want it from the external through another person. God is ultimate love, but the state of separation causes us to feel disconnected and distant from him. So in our pursuit of love and wholeness, we transfer our worship of the significance of love in our lives to special relationships. In doing so, in worshiping what is offered in terms of making us complete, we turn away from what is already within us because we cannot be apart from our creator. Our wholeness is assured, but we deny it and look for it elsewhere from the external, which can only disappoint. Referring back to paragraph 12, as I was saying, yes, I I wanted to touch on that. The first sentence states, in part, remember love is content and not form of any kind. The special relationship is ritual of form, 
aimed at raising the form to take the place of God at the expense of content. There is no meaning in the form and there will never be. This is why I do not want this, quote, in the name of your completion. By placing such significance on a special relationship to complete you before God, you enter into a state of idolization. Sentence three says, for every idol that you raise to place before him stands before you in place of what you are. I take this statement to mean that when you place an idol, no matter the form, be it a person, a place, a thing, when you place that between you and God, and in it, you see your completion, you are investing, and I want to emphasize this, you are investing in an illusion that can never deliver what you seek, which ultimately is to know thyself. So, like placing a statue in front of a mirror and hoping to see your reflection in the mirror, <laughs> it obscures the truth of who you are. And so that's the, the visual image I get. Like, okay, as I dig through these words and kind of not unravel them, just put a little space between the letters so I can pull it all back together. That's what I see is taking a statue, something that you idolize, and that could be a person, a job, anything. And you put that in front of you and then hope to see your true reflection. You're only going to see your investment in a statue and the, the value and the worth that you've placed into that as a reflection of your own worth. That's what I get That's out of great. that paragraph. Thanks. Yeah. And no matter how beautiful you try to make that statue, it's never going to be you. And therefore, mm -hmm. every time you look at it, you're going to feel not better but inferior. You can't get the kind of um, satisfaction, inner peace from an illusion of yourself. It's, it's literally not possible. That said, I think, you know, we all scramble around doing our best, um, trying to make illusions become something that's satisfying until we finally hit that bottom um, in the only true addiction that lies behind all of them, the addiction to the ego mind. Uh, we hit that bottom where it's like, okay, nothing out there works. And at that point you have a choice. You can sink into you know, horrible desperation and hopelessness that the world offers absolutely nothing um, and you're screwed uh, and you might as well take your own life. And I think some people do get there. But even if you touch that place, that actually is the springboard to, oh, yeah, well, there's nothing out there. But what's internal, what is really, you know, the, the choice point is now I'm now I, I'm not putting anything between me and God, and now there's no obstacle. The love of God can come pouring through. Miracles can come pouring through. But I love that of like you know, building a statue and putting it between you and uh, the mirror. Uh, I mean, the, that line um, you know, an attempt to raise other gods before Him obviously also harkens to the Ten Commandments, where I think it's mm -hmm. you know the first commandment is I am the Lord thy God, and I think the second is Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. Although it varies in terms of, depending on which Bible you use, but mm. uh, yeah, well, apparently, and a theologian told me that because Catholics have an image of Jesus on the cross that is an actual image of God, they had to get rid of that, you know, um, thou shalt make no graven idols or something. Anyway, anyway we don't want to go there. Don't um, get me started. But, that, <laughs> but it is from the Ten Commandments, and I think here you get to understand in a much more profound way that when, you know, the Hebrew Bible talks about thou shalt have no other gods before me, it's not just talking about, 
you know, sitting down and carving some god in a piece of wood and, you know, or a golden, pouring gold and making a golden calf. Yeah, that's all there. But it's really saying anything that you, as you were saying, Shar, anything that you invest in more than you invest in God is ultimately going to obscure and block you from the discovery of truth, uh, freedom, and your real self. And your true self, exactly. I also want to touch on another um, course concept where we worship what we made. You know, there's a difference between creating and making as it is explained in the course. And so in that investment, we shape something into what we want it to represent for us. And so we begin to worship what we made, and then that ultimately is, is has got to come up for correction. And and, and that's part of why I like the, um, the line in paragraph 12 where he says, you know, he's not angry. He really could not let this happen. So to allow you to become trapped in an illusion for all eternity, picture it that way. He can't let you be trapped in that because it's it's harmful to you. And so if he loves his children, he has to save you from it. It's just that as children, we think that taking away what we wanted and cherished, and it's and it's not that. There's so much more to it, even though I know a lot of people right now might want to stomp their feet and say, no, I, what, <laughs> my, what I believe was real, it was love, and, it, and I had it, and now it's gone, and God did this to me. If you can find it in your heart to let his word sink into your heart, then you will start to see a glimmer of light and hope that is real, that love does exist, and that may not form of a relationship to fulfill you. Fulfillment yeah. happens first, and then the relationship mirrors it. That is what you're looking for. And yeah. that's all I Yeah, I mean, remember, we've talked in previous segments, I've talked about how the ego is really one big con artist, and what con artists do is they, they, they make you think they're offering something real and precious, and you wind up trading what really is real and precious, in this case your money, uh, for something of absolutely no value. And the ego is really the ultimate con artist. You know, we go around and it's, oh, look at that. I want that. I want that relationship. I want that job. I want to go visit that country. Um, I want that new couch. I want the TV. I mean, you know, we could go on and on and on. And yet each one of them you know, I, I mean, I've certainly noticed that when I attain and get what I wanted, it no longer, I mean, you know, there's a brief period where you're satisfied and it's great, and then it kind of loses its luster and something else shows up that you want. This is the ego's game of attachment to the outside reality, because as long as you're seeking, it knows you're never going to find the real thing. And therefore, it can stay in power and control you. Um, there's a line somewhere in the course that says, choice among illusions is no choice at all. And, and that's a very, very powerful learning. In other words, where we think we're choosing and having free will, you know, we really don't. We're just picking an illusion and another illusion and another illusion, and all illusions are false. So there actually is no choice there. The course says there's only one choice um, and that is the choice between God and an illusion. Um, mm -hmm. And even there, it's not truly a choice because we can't change it. It's it's a choice to wake up. Um, it's not a choice mm -hmm. over what we make, as you were saying, Shar. 
Right, right. Wow. Okay. Uh, Paragraph 14, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I sure will. Um, Salvation lies in the simple fact that illusions are not fearful because they are not true. They but seem to be fearful to the extent to which you fail to recognize them for what they are. And you will fail to do this to the extent to which you want them to be true. And to the same extent, you are denying truth and so are failing to make the simple choice between truth and illusion, God and fantasy. Remember this, and you will have no difficulty in perceiving the decision as just what it is and nothing more. Well, I, I love mean, that. This, uh, yeah, it, it, it's clear, it's succinct, and it's basically stating what we were just talking about. Um, you know, we, we, we seek for comfort in illusion because deep down we're terrified of illusion. You know, we feel separate, we feel lonely, we feel lost, um, and we're always afraid that something's going to come along and hurt us or kill us. So we're constantly seeking for some kind of, you know, security that, that never turns up. I mean, in my psychotherapy practice, you know, I've worked with extraordinarily wealthy people, and their wealth didn't insulate them from that fear. You know, just as I've worked with people who had great relationships, but, you know, but, but, but bad things still happen. Uh, because in the ego's world, they do. In the ego's world, loss is inevitable because it's an echo of the original loss that we made when we dropped into, you know, separation from God and believed that we could really do that, you know. Um, So this is saying that illusions aren't feel fearful the moment we recognize that they're just illusions and that they're not true. You know, it's kind of like you can be in a terrible nightmare and the moment you wake up and go, whoa, that dream, that was a, that was mess, that was really scary, you know, the moment you're looking back on it, it's not scary anymore. You know it was a dream. You know, you can sort of get up, get a glass of water, go back to sleep. Um, so they only seem fearful when they're not recognized for what they are, and we won't recognize them if we want them to be real, if we want them to be true. And we only want them to be true if we think they can offer us something. And as you were saying, Shar, this is where, um, yeah, we do start stamping our feet. And there is not a single person alive who hasn't done this, and there's not a single Course in Miracles student who hasn't gone through this probably not once, but multiple, multiple times. I'm willing to give up illusions, God, but it really does feel like a sacrifice. And by the way, this one illusion, please don't, don't make me give that up. I really I, I, I need that. I want that. You know, I'm willing to give up alcohol and I'm willing to give up uh, weed, but I really need my heroin. I mean, God, you're not going to take that from me, right? Uh, that, that's what we do. And we do stomp our feet. And it does feel like a sacrifice. And at some point when we really get that we're the ones creating the suffering and we're able to loosen our attachment and ultimately let it go, what we find is, not only was there no loss, what we get is everything. We get this gain. Um, we're free, and it's it's just an amazing feeling. But but boy, mm-hmm. we don't we don't accept that gladly. <laughs> no, not at all. And I want to I want to throw out the word stepping stones. If we look at things in these terms, whether it's relationships, jobs, uh, experiences, uh, cultivating 
a project, getting it off the ground and having it evolve into something bigger. These are all stepping stones. And a lot of times when things start to change, we become alarmed. We're frightened. Um, we don't want to feel the pain of loss uh, or destruction or, again, you know, the death of the ego. We have many small deaths of the ego where we have to let go of something. And But there's I, I, I want to believe that there's always something bigger, and I've, had, I've been fortunate enough to witness this, especially in my own life. And I'll tell you a funny story, that back in um, 2011, 12, and 13, I was teaching a class in a yoga studio. I was teaching A Course in Miracles. I was doing the guided meditations. And then it, it became apparent that less and less students were coming, and I was becoming frustrated. And I didn't understand and so I asked for guidance on it, and I'm, I'm talking to the big guy, and he's saying, it's okay, don't worry about it. And I was like, what do you mean don't worry about it? How could I not worry? This is what I do. This is what I love. And he wouldn't be specific, but I had to go through, and through it and get to the point of such upset to say, okay, what is happening here? What is this for? And he said, I want you to end the classes. I threw a hissy fit, like, you know, what? No, I don't want to end my classes. I love my students. And I'm going to miss it and this and that. And they're holding you back. I mean, what do you mean? And I said, well, then, if you, don't, if you don't want me doing the classes, what would you have me do then? He says, I want you to start a radio show. <laughs> I need you on a bigger platform. I was like, oh. Of course, I protested. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. He said, oh, that's okay. You will. And within three days, <laughs> three days I did. And by the time I got started, within eight days, everything I needed to start the show but I really did not want to end those classes it felt like a loss to me but what I was blocking myself from was something far far greater and bigger and um the reach I mean we're worldwide you know and people from around the world tune in where I was holding myself back in this tiny yoga studio just feeling I was feeling pretty good about myself but the growth that I've gone through in that transition from letting that go and stepping up to the next level wasn't easy, but looking back, I'm proud that I did it. If that makes sense. Hope that wasn't too. Oh yeah. Looking back is when we, you know, it's when we look back that we recognize, boy, the pieces really did fall into place. And the suffering that I went through was perhaps necessary, at least to some extent to get me where I am today. Um, In my book from plagues to miracles, um, remember, you know, Moses is basically born with this destiny to, you know, free the Hebrew people, which in the parable is all of us. You know, we're all trying to achieve freedom from the slavery of our minds, uh, our mental Egypts. Uh, and, you know, he has to flee into exile and he's living, a, Moses is living a very comfortable life. He's got a wife, he's taken the sheep out on the hillside. Um, I'm sure he's waking up every morning going, this is pretty sweet. Who needs Egypt? And then one day there's this burning bush and it really calls to him and he approaches it. And, and what are the words that he ultimately hears? You know, I need you to go down into Egypt and confront Pharaoh and free my people. We can take little rests. We can take diversionary paths only so long. Ultimately, the only thing that each of us is here to do is to free our mind, to bring it back to reality. And as you said, Shar, there will be you know, stepping stones along the way. I don't think anyone is asked to drop it all instantly and return to God. 
because it would terrify us. It would scare the SH out of us. Um, Mm -hmm. So instead, we get this very, um, you know, it it really is like coming off a drug. You know, you don't go off at cold turkey um, because it's too painful. It's too upsetting. And and, and you ultimately want to get back on the drug as a result. You lower the dose a tiny little bit at a time and then another tiny little bit. And when you're used to that, you go down a little further. And, uh, you know, um, now, uh, of course, the other way is hitting bottom and going, all right, I'm going to die if I keep using this, uh, and, and, and therefore I'm going to quit entirely. But we're using a worldly metaphor. You can't, it's almost impossible for anyone to drop all form, all illusion, all ego, and remember that they are nothing but God. So, yeah, we have to confront you know, that, that, that truth, that reality. And when we do, that's where the miracle comes in. I mean, the miracle is basically just a realignment with the will of God. And the will of God, you know, God's will for me is perfect happiness. That's lesson 101. You know, we read that and we go, huh? How can that be? Well, it is his will for us. We're the ones who get in the way and um, end up end up blocking it. Uh-huh. Um, there's a place in the course where it talks about, you know, that the separated ones are fearful of change because their first experience of change was the separation. I I think this is really important to understand. In other words, you know, we were in this state of perfect oneness, perfect union with God, um, which no one really can, well, you know, in a mystical experience, you can understand it, but um, living here, there's no equivalent in the world of illusion. So we're in this perfect oneness. And for whatever reason, um, we suddenly find ourselves separate and in the absence of God. And in that horrible, terrible moment, um, we experience fear. We experience loss. We experience guilt. What did we do? You know, we killed God. We experience shame, that nakedness that Adam and Eve experience in the garden. It's a metaphor for, oh, my God, I'm a body. What the heck is this? I'm not used to be. I, I, I was never a body before. So our first experience of change was this profoundly negative change, and therefore the ego would always rather maintain the status quo than risk a change that, that would bring us more happiness. You know, it's like I always, um, sometimes on the news, I see pictures of people in, in third world countries and they're living in a, you know, a, a tiny cardboard shack and yet they fight over, you know, who, who's going to get to be in the cardboard shack. Um, we don't want, we'd rather hold on to what we have than risk losing it because that feels like a sacrifice and we don't believe that spirit, Holy Spirit, can really bring us to something better. And yet the only way we can believe it is to get to that place of decision between illusions and truth where we say, take this from me and look upon it for me. You know, I I don't want it. I don't know how to see it. I don't know what it's for. I don't know its meaning. And at that point, it transforms. And Uh now you actually do get to experience something different. And when you have enough of those, you start to trust that, that there is a better way. And it's not 
you, you aren't making those decisions. You're stepping back and letting him lead the way, as it says in Lesson 155. Um, and when we learn to step back consistently and ask what God's will is in every situation for us, because God's will is going to lead us in the direction of love and peace and all, that, all the things we really want, then life starts working um, in the only way that it, that it can and it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to add. Um, I want to add that in terms of stepping stones, look how the course is written. You don't do it in a day. <laughs> you're not, not going to get sure. that. You're not going to get the the ultimate miracle in a day. You have to read the text. It takes a year to do the lessons. It's set out as small steps, and because it would it would be detrimental to you to experience a, such a profound change like that in a short amount of time. So it's it's to your benefit that changes in life and in your experiences that are step-by-step process. I wanted to uh, throw that in there, but I also had something to say about investments and I'll keep it brief. It, 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 it almost doesn't, all of it doesn't fit anymore. But when we, in terms of paragraph 14, when we spoke of the investments that we make in illusions, I wanted to touch on what, what investment are we making? And I wanted to break that down. The way I see it, the investment that we're making is that in the form that we are gravitating towards, be it special relationship, objects, job, money, we're investing our undivided focus, our faith, our belief, our power, our sense of safety, our sense of belonging, but most of all, our identity. And then we identify so closely with that that when we get too far away from the truth, that's when God has to bring us back. And that is when that illusion starts to fall apart and as painful as it is. As if we really embrace the notion of, okay, if this is just an illusion, no matter how real it feels, then it can be altered further so that I can correct my perception and get back to truth to get beyond this pain. So that's all I wanted to add for that. I'm going to leave the rest alone. I was basically talking about, in, in terms of an example to illustrate illusion, you know how some people love scary movies and <laughs> people can't watch them, but the people who love the scary movies know that it's fake and they can maintain that in their mind. So they don't become affected by the movie and the blood and gore, but other people are affected so deeply by scary movies that it's a frightening experience. It's a painful experience. So look at it that way in terms of how invested are you? So for a person who doesn't like scary movies, they can't, they can't hold on to the idea that this is fake. It's okay. But it's, it's triggering their fears. But the person who really knows, oh, this is fake, it's funny, you know, or whatever, I just like it. They have less of an investment than the person who's afraid of it, if that makes sense. It's the investment yeah. in the illusion that I wanted to illustrate. That's it. Yeah, I had never thought of it that way. I mean, normally I would think, oh, yeah, you want to leave the scary movie. But, um, but yeah, if you're not invested, you know, the, 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 the horrible masked killer comes out with his knife and – you know, there it is, and you go, ooh, but, you know, it's completely unreal. And, uh, you know, I mean, to me, the ultimate, um, you know, sort of falsity of movies is once you've seen a real corpse, I mean, whether in a photo or particularly in real life, and as a physician, you know, I've sat in on autopsies and, you know, dissected cadavers and certainly seen really? people die. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 
once you've seen a real corpse, there is no life in it. There's no, there, there's no more illusion that, oh, that was a real person. I mean, even at a funeral when there, it's all dry. You know, I remember at my father's funeral, um, Jews don't have an open casket, but I wasn't able to get there to see him and say goodbye beforehand. And I wanted to, you know, see his face. So they allowed me to come in early and opened up the casket. And I'm looking at it, and I don't even recognize him. It, it's like... This wasn't my father, and I had that same experience with a colleague who died. Um, you know, when I was on on the faculty of the teaching hospital, I was like, "What? That's not him." So, um, you know, uh, once you've had that, you can see people die in movies, and I look at it and I go, "Well, that that actor's doing death pretty well," but I always see there's life in there. There's just no uh-huh. way to act death, um, and yeah, so it's all an illusion. <laughs> when, when my mom died, she looked more like a person. I'm sorry, you dropped out. Could you say that again? Sorry, sorry. When my mom died, she looked more like an object than a person because it was totally non-animated. There was no yeah. energy in there. Very That's strange. It. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, right. shall we go on to cha- uh, 15. paragraph 15? And you are up. I am up. My turn. Okay. The core of the separate illusion lies simply in the fantasy of distraction of love's meaning. And unless love's meaning is restored to you, you cannot know yourself who share its meaning. Separation is only the decision not to know yourself. This whole thought system is a carefully contrived learning experience designed to lead away from truth and into fantasy. Yet for every learning that would hurt you, God offers you correction and complete escape from all its consequences. Okay, let's break this down. What I see as the destruction of love's meaning, it's as in, for, for one, the getting, the, not the giving and the sharing. It's the getting principle, which promises that you can find in the world pieces of you that are missing. So you don't endeavor to especially as a part of God. That's how you maintain separation. The learning experience with every special relationship lies in the necessity of seeing the relationship for what it was and not what we wanted it to be. And I'm talking in terms of past relationships that that's easier to look at. Any special relationship contains various aspects of fantasy, a fancy word for illusion where truth is denied and illusion is upheld often at the cost of our dignity, sanity, or safety. When you are hurting because of a personal, personal relationship, ask what the lesson is so that it can be revealed to your consciousness and allow you to escape the illusion you are trapped in. Disillusionment is a painful and frightening state of mind where all of your doubts and misperceptions assault. And so it's kind of this assault when your illusions shatter. And, oh, this isn't the person I thought it was. This relationship isn't working out. This person cheated on me. That disillusionment is all of your fears pummeling you and saying, you were wrong, you were wrong, and all that happens in that turmoil in the mind. But that's what I get from that paragraph. How about you, Bob? Mm. Um, This is the paragraph that reminds me of today's lesson, Lesson 229, Love Which Created Me Is What I Am. So I'm going to read just a little bit from that. Mm -hmm. Um, Love which created me is what I am. I seek my own identity and find it in these words. Love which created me is what I am. Now need I seek no more. Love has prevailed. So when it tells us in this paragraph 
that separation is only the decision not to know yourself and that you cannot know yourself who share love's meaning, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, anything that reinforces separation, like the idea that there's someone else out there who's different than you in a different body with different interests, um, reinforces separation. And anything that reinforces separation stands in the way of love's meaning. It's another one of those statues blocking us from seeing and appreciating our reality. So, um, you know, what I... I would I want to focus on that, you know, separation is only the decision not to know yourself. This whole thought system is a carefully contrived learning experience designed to lead away from truth, that is into this world of illusion um where we wander around in the dark, you know, looking for light but looking for it in darkness. And and then the last line of course is is sort of the safety line that's thrown to us. Yet for every learning that would hurt you, God offers you correction and complete escape from all its consequences. This is a direct reference to the Holy Spirit's plan of atonement, which is really, uh, the Course tells us, our only job is to accept it for ourselves. Um, You know, this is analogous to the evangelical, you know, accept Jesus into your life and be reborn. What it's really saying is that when you shift your goal to waking up, to remembering your identity as love within the oneness of love that is God, that when you do that, everything in your life that you used for the purpose of illusion and separation and war and attack and guilt and all of that bad stuff, all of that gets gently reinterpreted. You know, it's almost like you you put on this different pair of lenses and suddenly you see the world in a very different way and all of that stuff starts to disappear. Uh, you know, so so the correction is there. It's waiting for us. We just have to take it and, and embrace it and use it. You know, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to apply it and practice it as much Consciously. as possible. And that's what, yeah, and that's what that last line refers to. Something All jumped right. out at me a, a minute ago. The sentences um, two and three, just, like an energy just jumped out at me. Sentence two, in the same paragraph, and unless love's meaning is restored to you, you cannot know yourself who share its meaning. Sentence three, separation is only the decision not to know yourself. And the important thing that I, I, that I almost missed is that, number one, the goal is to know thyself, know yourself as a child of God and a, and a spark of light. But it's only when you know yourself that you can know the other person. And then when you do know yourself, that's when you will know the other person is also you because we are connected. That's an important distinction to yeah, me yeah. in terms of, well, I, I, why should I strive to know myself when I don't understand the other person? But when you do know yourself, when you do understand yourself, then you will understand the other person. It has to be that way. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to that old love your neighbor as yourself. That exactly. is, you're not loving him the way you love yourself, although that's what you're loving him as self. You know, your neighbor, everyone else is self. Capital mm-hmm. S is you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I mean, that is a core learning um, or teaching, uh, not just for the course, but I think for almost all spiritual systems. Sure. I just like the way those two sentences are back-to-back and the energy flows through it. But okay. They are beautiful. Yes. All right. Paragraph 16. The decision whether or not to listen. The decision whether or not to listen to this course and follow it is but the choice between truth and illusion. For here is truth, 
separated from illusion and not confused with it at all, how simple does this choice become when it is perceived as only what it is? For only fantasies make confusion in choosing possible, and they are totally unreal. Um, so quite simply, you know, what this paragraph is saying is that A Course in Miracles, this course, um, is a, uh, a very practical and very, um, how to put it, uh, direct and uncompromising. That's the word I was searching. It's an uncompromising uh, way to distinguish between truth and illusion. It pulls no punches in that direction. Again, it's not about punishing us. It's about waking us up. Um, so following it is simply a path, not the only path, but, but a very powerful and very direct one, a path to begin to wake up and recognize the profound difference between truth and illusion. Then it says, you know, this becomes very, very simple once you perceive illusion for what it is. You know, it's like being in a lucid dream. You know, the monster's chasing you, and all of a sudden you have that moment, wait a minute, I think this is just a dream. Uh, And you look at the monster, and the monster is no longer very scary, Um, you know, or you're in the theater with that horror movie, and you go, you know, if I wanted to, I could walk out and end it completely, so I, I, I can stay. You know, once we perceive illusion as illusion, then uh, it, it, it no longer ha- captures us. It, we're no longer mm-hmm. as captive. Um, mm-hmm. So it says, you know, only fantasies make confusion in choosing possible. And this is what we talked about earlier of, yeah, you know, choose, choice among illusions is not choice at all. If we think illusions are real, then it's really complicated. Well, which one of these is true for me? And which one is going to save me and make me happy forever and ever? And we go None around and around and around. None of them are going to do it. None Whereas, yeah. Once you see fantasy for what it is, oh, okay, all of that stuff over there, all of that stuff outside of me ain't going to work. I choose only what is real, and I follow what the Holy Spirit's guidance is because, you know, Holy Spirit is the light that will lead me on a path that will um, take me out of illusion and back into truth. So Mm -hmm. that's that's what I get from that one. Well said. I I just I just love what you said. I don't even need to add to it. I just feel that it's pretty self-explanatory, but I loved how you took it a little deeper. And um, fantasy is is an amazing tool that the ego uses. I, I'll add this. Fantasy is a tool that the ego uses, and it allows you to um, travel through time. You can travel backwards in time in your mind. You can travel forwards in time. Mm. But the, but the, re, the goal is always to change what is. We go back in in time to look at an experience that we had that we, that we perceived as painful or insulting or humiliating, and we want to rewrite the ending. And then we travel to the future in our mind to try to shape what happens, and and that that will always be based on our hopes, fears, expectations, and attachments. The the future that we envision in our fantasy will only be an extension of the past because that's what we know. So. With fantasy, we need to be careful because allowing your mind to wander into that um, takes you out of the present. Because if you're in fantasy, you're not present. You're not here. And the body can only be in the present in any given moment. So fantasy as a tool, um, in terms of daydreaming and uh, reimagining a scenario, this is something that you want to avoid, especially when studying the course, because it will, it's a trick. It's basically a trick of the mind. 
And so that's another thing that you can recognize as an illusion and how we try to conjure them for ourselves is in not so much visualizing a future or creating a visual of what you think you want to make you happy. That's a positive, healthy practice. But in terms of fighting reality with fantasy, that is in an area you do not want to go in. So I just, I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the only thing I'd add is if you think you know what you want, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> your ego, which is who you are right now or who you think you are, is incapable of finding happiness, incapable. It cannot do it. So if you're going to use a meditation or an affirmation, the only one that really um, will work is please help me lead me on the path that will allow me to find happiness, inner peace, love. Um, but the moment you start fantasizing about that, as Char said, oh, I think that it's going to look like this. I think it's going to be X numbers of dollars. I think it's going to be a lottery win. I think, I think she needs to be blonde. He has to be at least, you know, six feet tall. The moment we start sort of literally fleshing it out in fantasy, now we're telling God that we know better than God what's going to make us happy. Not uh -huh. and, you're, and you're applying limits to it. So the more specific yeah. you are in that fantasy, you're limiting what could come your way. You're basically telling the universe, thank God, I'm not ready for what you have planned. It's smaller. I think yeah. I'm dreaming big, but I want to keep it small because that's frightening. And then when you let go of that and that compulsion to do that, and it can become a habit for a lot of people, big habit, then you allow in what would really make you happy because only God knows. And we can't. We were talking about this just recently. We don't know what, what would make us happy. So yes. continue a practice, a, a steady, consistent practice of letting go and letting God because he knows better. And then when you come to trust that, then when an illusion shifts, you can say, oh, my illusion, my illusion is changing. Okay, let's see what happens next. And it's peaceful. And there's no fear. There's trust. And you don't get tossed about like on, on the waves of the ocean. You don't get tossed down like that. You just say, okay, my illusion's changing. I embrace, I accept it, and I embrace it, and you're fine. Some things can be unpleasant, but you get over it. it just to, it depends on how much time you want to pass before letting go. That's all. Yep. yep. So shall we wrap it up with at paragraph 17? Let's do it. Here we go. This year is thus the time to make the easiest decision that ever confronted you and also the only one. You will cross the bridge into reality simply because you will recognize that God is on the other side and nothing at all is here. It is impossible not to make the natural decision as this is realized. That's pretty self-explanatory, and it's talking about crossing yeah, yeah. the bridge into reality from illusion and then recognizing that God is there and he never left. We just entered into a different plane. We just entered into a different state of consciousness where the, where the one true goal is to remember God and to, and to know, know ourselves. And so going forward, we're going to, in our next segment, we're going to transition into section six of chapter 16, the bridge to the real world. And we'll talk about the bridge, but let me throw it over to you, Dr. Bob, so you can give any thoughts you have on this last paragraph. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think this, this says exactly what it means. And it, it's just the capstone to all that we've um, talked about. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, 
the easiest decision that ever confronted us, although here in form it doesn't always feel that way because of all the things we previously discussed in this segment. Uh-huh. Um, but it's also the only one. If you think you're making any other decision, choice among illusions is no choice at all. You're not really making a choice. Um, you're, you're, you're using the form of a choice to avoid making a choice between content, what is real and what is false. So, yeah, this is the easiest and the only one. And when it's recognized as the only one, now we can see things for what they are and begin to make that choice more consistently. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as the last line of this, uh, this section says, it is impossible not to make the natural decision as this is realized. Um, and that's our, you know, that's the whole learning is realizing that it's, it's very difficult to realize it. But as we realize more and more um, the nature of the ego and its illusions, we're better and better positioned to make the easiest and only choice that ever confronts us. Beautiful. And I also, I know someone will probably ask a question in their mind, how can you say that nothing at all is here? When I can, when I have five senses that tell me otherwise, because everything that is here, everything that you do see, hear, smell, taste, the meaning that give it, and so meaning for everybody, there's well, one object will mean a different thing to them, and so if that is changeable, then it can't be real. Like Doctor, nothing real. So. What we're doing in this in in learning this course is choosing what is real versus real, detaching from that fantasy, withdrawing our investment that it doesn't affect us to the degree that we have allowed it to do until now. Amen. It all ended there. Hmm. <laughs> Good talk, Doctor Bob. Good talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's wonderful how you know these sections come to life when you really when 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 you and I sit down and in the form of a uh, a teaching learning holy relationship, just allow the words to speak to us and come through us. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I love it. Okay, so mm. for our next our next segment, we'll be going to. Learn the about the, the bridge world. and crossing the bridge. Okay, so we'll dig in. Alrighty. Sounds good. Have have a wonderful time at the conference. Hugs to Beverly and everyone there. And I know you're going Thank to knock you. it out of the park with your talk. Okay. Uh, I, I I I I trust spirit. Uh, I haven't even prepared for this one, and that's very unusual for me because I'm trying to learn to trust more. <laughs> then it'll probably be the best one because we've talked before. We make <laughs> yes, all these notes. Problem. You and I are detail-oriented. We make notes. I make an outline, and then we podium, and most of it goes out the window, and it just flows. Yep. So I'm sure it'll Precisely. be great. All Trust right, it. Charles. Thank you so much. All right, dear. Talk to you soon. You're <laughs> Have welcome. a good month. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. I hope that you will tune into our next segment and learn about the bridge. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.